Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through his sons and daughters. Leif shares insight into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, hello, everyone. This is Leif. And again, welcome to uh, this podcast, this Kingdom Family, uh, where we have a focusing on that it is Harvest Time 2024. I would even put it in a different way. Now it is Harvest Time. It is not going to be tomorrow, but right now the harvest is ripe. And we have been in this journey this year of just raising up harvesters for the harvest time. Before I going into the message today, I want to just pray over us so that everyone that is listening, that your soil of your heart is going to receive some of these kingdom seeds. And each one of those seeds is going to go into a very good fertile soil meaning of your heart, and it's going to produce much fruit. So Father, I just thank you so much for every single person that is listening. I thank you for the sons and daughters of glory, that creation right now is just moaning and groaning for the manifestation for them to be revealed. I thank you, Father, that even in this season, as we are experiencing a new level of this liquid love that touches the deepest areas in our life, that we are going to not just uh, uh, become love, but we're also going to start to release love so that the world out there is going to experience how good you are and how loved they are. I ask that the message today, and I just ask that the Holy Spirit will eventually just speak in and through me in such a way that people will not just uh, listen and get revelation, but there will be impartation and there will be such an activation that when this is over, that each person will be left with something that came from heaven that is going to help you not just to become who you are, but also be able to do what you are supposed to do in regard to these beautiful things that Jesus is doing in the world today. So I bless you to be you. I bless you to be full of you. And I bless you to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, so that you can do what Jesus did. So the world will know how good Papa God is and know how loved they are to ordinary people like you and I. I bless you with that in the sweet, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 One of the topics that has been on my heart and has been burning on my heart for a long time has been the very topic of unity. If you know a little bit about my life, uh, I have been on the journey of becoming an ambassador of love, and that's another theme for this year. And part of my calling is to raise up uh, every one of us as believers to be love ambassadors. And to do that, we need to know the king. We need to know the king of the kingdom, knowing that the country that you belong to is heaven. And the king of that country, his name is Jesus. Knowing that if you're going to represent heaven on earth as an ambassador, you also need to understand the culture, but also understanding some of the value system and understand that heaven is a place of unity. And then if you're going to be able to implement that on earth, it starts with my papa, your papa, our father, we honor his name. We have to know who we are, 
sons and daughters to be able to say our father and we're living in a culture where we honor we honor god we honor one another and honor is what love looks like and honor happens in our words what we say in our thoughts what we're thinking about people especially that are different than us and in deeds in action and in our how do we show up how do we show up in love with action with deeds that demonstrate that love so that's what honor looks like I thought about at least, uh, let's get a little theological and then let's talk a little bit about some other things that's going on in the world right now and then helping you and I to find out our part of that in regard to what you are experiencing. First of all, the unity on the inside where your spirit, your soul and body is becoming one. Paul called it that you're going to become sanctified and out of that there's going to be rivers flowing out of your life because if there's any fracture in your soul or division in your vision or anything else, it's going to be very difficult for you to connect to other people. It's going to be very difficult for you to love your enemies. It's going to be very difficult for you to be a difference maker because all your life is going to be consumed about yourself and self will be in the center and it is going to be also to medicate some of the broken that is in your life. So my heart is, let's go and get the blueprint of what God intended from the beginning. Because if you don't have a clear enough blueprint, it's going to be very difficult for you. You're just going to try to copy the best scenario of what you think this is supposed to look like. So let's take a little time machine a little bit back to the beginning. Let's take actually go so far back, uh, not just the creation. We're going to go there in a couple of minutes, but even go a little bit further back. Let's go back to the beginning before there was anything. The Bible says in the beginning there is God. The Genesis 1.1. So if I take you all the way back to the beginning, God, the, the Hebrew word for God is Elohim. In the beginning there is actually a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the very framework. In the beginning there is God. In the beginning there is a family. In the beginning there is a Father. There is a Son and Holy Spirit. And so you can see the triune God, but you see something more significant. You see there is a family. I know if I were to take you back to the beginning and you looked at the Father, you will find that the Father honors the Son. The Son honors the Spirit. The Spirit honors the Son. The Son honors the Father and they are one. So there's only one God, but that God is in three person and is being manifest as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you even ask who's the most important, the answer is yes. <laughs> if you ask the Father, he points to the Son. The Son points to the Spirit. Spirit's points to the Son, Son points to the Father. You say, where do you get this from? All through scriptures. And you see this, Jesus, I do what I see my Father doing. The Father points to his Son, this is my beloved Son. And Jesus points to the Spirit, Spirit points to the Son. You see this system. And you will find that also if that's in a marriage where we honor one another, we point to one another, we defer one another. I would rather, and you see that also if there's unity in a marriage, but also in a church. Uh, because if the church is operating more with an orphan mentality, you will see that orphan and the orphan spirits divides while sons and daughters unites. That tells you very clearly a little bit about the spirit that you're coming from. And we are about to get there. So you see this perfect place where there's a perfect God that has a perfect idea. And that perfect idea, let us, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, let us make man in our image. Let's create on earth what we have in heaven. Let's create a family that would love like we love, that is one like we are one. Let they, they honor 
one another. And you can see this beautiful, beautiful dance that is in heaven, that the very intention of the Father, Son, Spirit, they would like actually a prototype on earth that's eventually supposed to rule and reign together with them. This is their dream. But there is also a villain in the story, and there's a villain in your story, and there's a villain in the world, and there's always a villain to make this story good. And there was an archangel named Lucifer. Some called him a worship leader. And Lucifer himself, uh, I mean, it was not that he was not in a perfect place with a perfect God. This is before the sin, before the fall. But there was something missing here. And I want you to see the father loved the son. But the key to Jesus with everything is Jesus loved Jesus the way the father loved Jesus. It's called covenant at one meant two has become one he is one with the father's love for him he's not looking for something else and you see the genuine unity while lucifer himself and you read it in isaiah 14 you read it in ezekiel 28 and i know some scholars will say different things but i will put into where i feel that most of the scholar would agree and if not you can look at revelation about this dragon that was cast down and it's at least clear there it's about lucifer that was cast down from heaven but lucifer himself how did he get cast out out of heaven why, why, why did that happen well Lucifer didn't love Lucifer the way that the father loved Lucifer he was not that one meant atonement with the love the father had he was not in covenant so he said I want to be like the most high I want and what he was actually doing he was actually wanted to compete if I become like God I'm going to feel better about myself and this was the very framework that started the whole thing that led to the fall and one third of the fallen angels went with him why is this important because after six days of creation when god goes to the highlight and he creates man and adam is seeing the father's face hearing the father's voice feeling the father's love experience the father's presence abiding in the father's pleasure and adam is there in this incredible place walking with god and he's one with god there was a perfect god now establishing a perfect plan but god said it's not good for man to be alone because he wanted to reproduce produce that and fill the earth with this so he put adam asleep when adam was resting god was working and then you can see this beautiful picture the bible says later on that god brought eve to adam we know that early on god had breathed into the nostril of adam that when adam became a living being but now at this moment we see god brought eve to adam who was she with before she met adam God. Who did, who, which voice did she hear? Which love did she feel? And we could go on and on and on. And the name is, and the answer is the father. So she was one with the father. Adam was one with the father. And then God brought them together and he blessed them. He blessed the unity. He blessed the oneness. He blessed, this is the first marriage in the Bible. I want you to capture this. This is the first covenant on earth. And that was between Adam and Eve that is at one man with the Father, Son, and Spirit. And he blessed them to be. He said, do. He says, bless them to be. Be fruitful. And now what you become, you can then multiply. And when you can multiply, you will have dominion. You can rule and reign. And all of that flow you will see in the beginning as a beautiful blueprint in the pattern. And then Lucifer shows up, the villain shows up in the story as a serpent and comes to Eve in a moment and says, did, did, did God really say? And started to question the father's love question the goodness question and say actually god is withholding something from you now if you eat from this tree you're going to be like him 
I want to be like Jesus. Well, do something, to have something, to become something. Welcome to the orphan world where the orphan spirit and the one third of the fallen angels that we call demon is operating from the orphan heart. And now we know the story about Eve to make the story short. She ate from that tree and guess what happened? She was no longer one with her father. I just felt that. She no longer was able to see his face. She was certainly now covering up and they started to hide. And we know that she got Adam also to eat from that. And then from that moment on, they put fig leaves and they starts to covering up. And then the next moment, they're not able to see his face, hear his voice, feel his love. They no longer wonder. And then they start to blame shame game. They start, well, he did or she did and all of that stuff that we starts to see in church today. Where did that come from? It came from the fall. Who was behind that? Lucifer. What was the purpose of that? Because God is a family. It was the very division, the very division, the very divorce from love. And at that moment, when fear, shame, and guilt comes in, they're out there. And from that moment on, if I had a chance, I'll take you on a 12-hour journey from Genesis to Revelation, and you will see this pattern. But let's then rush forward. We're going to look at a couple of scripture verses. You will see the connection. And we're going to talking about some today's stories of how to navigate and the connection. Why? this is such a key to the harvest because this year 2024 it is harvest time so i hope this is going to help you a little bit but it is so important to see the blueprint because from uh, we, we know from abel and cain and killing each other to esau and jacob we know ishmael and isaac and we could just go on and on and on and on about this very thing that was affected in regard to the orphan heart the orphan spirit, division, and the consequences of that until Jesus says, I will not leave you as an orphan, I will come to you. And we see Jesus come in a different way. He actually, when God became flesh that lived in such a oneness with the Spirit and the Father, he's showing us what the first Adam lost, the second Adam is coming to restore, to bring us back into unity. But in the end of his journey, Jesus have a prayer. There's something on his heart, something that he wants us to have. And he is praying. And I believe we are living in a season. I believe with all of my heart, how do I know? Why would I bet everything that I have and put it on the table for one purpose? That Jesus' only unanswered prayer. And that is that you and I are going to be one just as he and the Father is one. And that's how the world is going to see. Let's read it. Let's open up our Bible. I'm going to take the time because we're going to use that as a framework, at least for this session. But it is connected to all the things we talked in the beginning. And I'm using one of my Bibles that is pretty much torn up. But it starts there in John 17, verse 20, where Jesus now is praying for the believers and here is one of the challenges I want to ask all of us. Would you like to become an answer to Jesus' only unanswered prayer? He's praying. But would you like to say yes to become an answer and to be part of his prayer and the fulfillment of that prayer so that eventually in the book of Revelation, you will see the unity, you will see the oneness. And as a result, it leads to the greatest harvest the world has ever seen, where they are one represented from every nation, tongue, tribe, and language, just as it started in Pentecost, that became the birthing of a new unity where they were at one accord. And I'm not going to joke around with it, but my wife is also one accord, meaning she drives a Honda Accord. So that's the only biblical, that's the only biblical car that you will find in the book of Acts. So if you want unity, drive an accord according to my wife. 
just a little Norwegian humor. John chapter 17, verse 20. I do not pray. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their own words, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. So that they may, so that you and me and all, that we also can become one with them. Stuff from on. The way that Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in him, his prayer is that the experience that he has, the oneness with the Father, I only do what I see my Father there, that you will be so much at one with him that you know everything that the Father does. You're hearing the Father's voice, you see his face, you feel his love, you have not been separated from love, but you're so much at oneness with him that you will be able to see clearly and then to be expressing so clearly. There is no division in your vision, but there is a clear vision because you have seen the Father's face and the way you look at everybody else is different. You don't see people based upon their history, but their destiny because that's what Jesus did. And then it continued that the world may believe that you have sent me. Why is he praying for this unity? Because he wants everybody that is out there that is unbelievers today. And do you know about any unbelievers? Maybe in your workplace, maybe in your boardroom, maybe in your school system. I don't know where you're at, but I do know that you don't have to go actually on social media or turn on the TV. All around us, there's unbelievers. They maybe know about them, but they've never experienced the very thing that Jesus is praying. And that is how good Papa God is and how loved they are. They've never experienced the oneness that Jesus had with the Father. And he wants us to experience that so that that can be expressed to the world, so he can bring them back again. So. Jesus came to save that which was lost, Luke 19, 10, meaning all the things that came as a result of the fall and the devastation that we see of everything that's going on. And that's everything from sex, slavery and human trafficking to drug addiction and the fentanyl problem. And you can make the list from the divorce to everything that is happening now in the world today that we see of issue and the division and everything else. Jesus has his heartbeat on the pulse and he's praying a prayer, a passionate prayer. And he knows the answer to that prayer. At the moment when the believer is becoming one as he and the father is one, and that can only happen through the Holy Spirit. When that starts to take place, there's going to be people in your home, including in your marriage, when you are so much in one with the Father, like Jesus would, that they will see Christ in you, the hope of glory. Something is about to change then. You will be a contagious Christian. You don't have to say a whole lot of words because you will become the message that the world will see who he is by the way we love one another. So the glory which you gave me now I have given them, so there's an impartation of that glory, so that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they must be perfect in one, so there's perfection in that. And the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as, I, as you have loved me. And I love that, that you have sent me and that you have loved them as you have loved me. What Jesus is actually praying that every Muslim and every Hindu and every Buddhist and every Democrat and every Georgia fan and Alabama fan, it doesn't matter who you are, that every single one out there, everyone in my neighborhood is going to experience the love, this perfect love the Father had for Jesus. Jesus is praying that the people out there is going to experience that love. 
And that's only going to happen when we as believers are receiving that love, becoming that love so that we can give that love. That's what Jesus is saying. The very love that you have given me before the foundation of the world, O oh, righteous Father, that the world that the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that I that you have sent me. And I declare to you, I declare to you, and this was a life verse for me for seven years, your name. I declare your name. That the very love, Father, that you have towards me, that love is going to be in them and I in them. This perfect love that the Father has towards the Son, the very love the Son has towards the Father, that love is going to be in you. That love is going to be in your marriage. That love is going to be in your church. And eventually it's going to then from that spill into every aspect of your life and the world will know that the Father sent Jesus for them. That's going to open up the veil. That's what's going to usher in the mass repentance because the goodness and the kindness of God that leads to repentance. So here's a little theological framework for what I wanted. I started in Genesis in the beginning. I explained that all have sinned and fought short of glory. We've all been affected and there's that vision in all of us. But what Jesus is then coming in to actually restore us back again to the oneness. It was not just save us from something, but to save us to something. It was not just to save you from your sin, but to restore you back again to glory, the very glory that he had with the Father. He is actually praying that as you've been saved from your sin, that you're now going to be restored into a oneness, into a glory, so that eventually it's going to be releasing something that can only come from him. That is also connected to the John 15 where you are abiding in him and he is in you. And out of that, there is this fruit and the people around you get to taste and see how good he is. And in John 13, verse 34 to 35, he also talks about this very thing. As I have loved you, then you will start to love one another. And again, that releases what the world gets to see and experience, including washing the feet of the very one that is about to betray you. So Jesus has actually an idea, not just have an idea, he has a vision. He doesn't just have any vision, but he actually has a blueprint from heaven that is actually going to show us what God intended from the beginning. Jesus has now come to restore. And now the question just is, what time is it? What time are we living in? We're living during the time where Jesus' unanswered prayer is about to be answered by you and I. How, how, how do we go about it? We receive that love. We're coming into oneness with that love. We have an encounter with that love. We are becoming that love. And that's a process. And the things that is not comfortable with love as we're being immersed in that love because you cannot give something you didn't first receive. And that's one of the things where eventually we no longer have to deal with sin management, but glory management. Because when you become one with that love, glory is going to start to be released in and through you. And if the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as water covered the sea, it's going to happen because all over the world, sons and daughters of glory have been immersed in the Father's love, have had a baptism of love, has been restored back again to what he was in the beginning, where he starts to bless them. And then he suddenly tells them to multiply so they can start to rule and reign together with him, so they can represent him as an ambassador of love. And I am just uh, so thrilled that part of my life has been part of this journey of actually now calling up ambassadors of love, over one billion souls. And I would say it in a better way, sons and daughters are at stake. 
And many of you have heard this story. I was about to speak at the voice of the apostle. It was the last time that Rainer Bunke was there. I was a little intimidated, didn't sleep much that night. And I felt the Holy Spirit says, life. I want you just to Google and see uh, when Bob Jones died and with a one billion soul harvest. I had heard about it, but honestly speaking, I had never Googled and I had never looked at anything about it until that moment. And when I looked it up, I realized one of the things that happened when Bob Jones, this prophet, had died. And I know there's people that have different view here. I'm just sharing my experience of looking this up. And then what Bob Jones experienced in the heavenlies, that he had to come back again here to earth. But here's what God spoke to him, but that you need to learn how to love. And Adam, when he's learning how to love, the one billion sons and daughter harvest is going to come because God doesn't want a billion orphans. He wants a billion sons and daughters. That's what he wanted from the beginning. So here is a simplicity. The devil divides, Jesus unites. So if you wonder which one is it is, so if you feel there's a vision in your life, I know it is not Jesus. That's just very simplification. I know you're not walking in the Spirit. You're not being led by the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not what's coming out of your life when you get squeezed, when you do not walk in love. And this is the Spirit fill. And this Holy Spirit's role, and He's a Holy Spirit, is for you to become one. One with Jesus and one with the Father is one of the major things that is His work. Even with all of the gifts of the Spirit, the body needs to be one and operated together. I cannot coming in there and say, hey, the finger is more important than my nose and etc. When some of the things, including it was not long ago that I had just one little piece of my foot that was hurting, my whole body was hurting. This is the way it's supposed to operate in church context or in a city context. And often what I'm sensing that is breaking my heart, and sometimes I have to repent because I'm part of it, that we are certainly realizing that somebody messes up. Somebody in the body of Christ, uh, like there was just one of the heroes of the faith that is having a moral failure. And then all over you can start to see the body of Christ. First of all, in the next one, we're all hurting and bleeding, but what should happen is we should weep and thinking about the family and everything else. Instead, you can start to see a lot of gossip. We can start to see a lot of division and then who is for him and who is against him. And then you are the grace people and then you are the truth people. And now we need holiness. And before you know it, all of these debates is coming in. Instead of us going low and slow and humble ourselves and getting into a place of humility so we can tap into God's ability and His grace so that we can tap into what God has for us to eventually continue to maintain unity. So the devil has a big strategy, and that is that he wants, first of all, individually speaking, for us to have a division in what we are seeing. Because when your eye is not clear, nothing is going to be clear in your body, the Bible says. So that's one of the weapon of the enemy. Another thing the enemy wants to do is pushing buttons, if that's brokenness in your life or issues in life or offenses or lack of forgiveness, whatever is in your life, to move you into this place where you can no longer see the Father's face. You can no longer hear His voice because there's so much noise in your life. And when some of those things creeps in, there is pain in your life and that pain seeks pleasure. And you're looking for something to medicate because what He knows when you are in that place, you're no longer eventually one of those that can be an answer to Jesus' unanswered prayer. And as a result, He knows that the harvest will die and it's going to die 
45,000 people today that will enter eternity and they never once got the name of Jesus. And then you will end up like some other people with your fishing pole and you will be there fishing instead of being part of the net fishing where we're coming together, we unify together and we're building the net all over the world. And that's what's going to have to take place. So I want us just to say that, that uh, I believe with all my heart that it is not about uniformity. It is about unity. And that's two totally different things. So you have to live with attention. My wife and I, we are very different. We are from different countries. We see things in different ways. We have different spiritual gifts. Every one of the strength finders, the disc profile, and you can go through the list. We are different, but we can be one as he is one. Our children, we have four different children, and none of our children are the same. But it is an amazing thing that I was watching. That is, when they get together, they may be have a little tension or little issues or different things with one another. But if somebody comes against any of them, they are totally united. They fight for one another. They stand up for one another. They suddenly protect one another. They get in one another's corner. And I love that about my family. And God loves that about his family. And it doesn't matter if you're Baptist, the Methodist, the Pentecostals, or who you are out there, but in the body of Christ, that we maybe have some issue. And yes, let's uh, talk and let's be honest. And we are maybe living in tension because we have a different uh, assignment in the body of Christ. But the beautiful part of the bigger, bigger body of Jesus Christ with a variety. Hey, are you a word guy or are you a spirit guy? And Jesus is both word and spirit. And then what happens is we, we divorce over it. Hey, are you a Calvinist or are you an Arminianist? And I was just watching on some of the YouTube of all these people, the Arminians slammering the Calvinists, the Calvinists are slammering, and it goes back and forth. And guess who's behind there? His name is Lucifer. And then you have all the liberal theology. Did God really say? Who's behind that? Lucifer. And you can just go on and on and on. And then, oh, let me just talk about the elephant in the room. Now we're heading into election. Who do you like? And then I'm, are you for a Paul? Are you for an Apollos? Or which one are you for? And that was part of the Bible. So you go all the way back to the garden. This issue has been there, but how are we going to respond? And you, I'm not saying you're not supposed to be very clear in your value system. And you're supposed to to, to stand firm and love well, and even to vote. Please, please vote and stand up and do something. But to suddenly having to divorce yourself from somebody else and make them in the next moment, they are the villains and they are the evil because you choose this. That's where it is wrong for you and I. And among believers that is in here, there is different you. And you can say, hey, if you're a believer, you have to vote like this. And if you don't vote like this, you are the evil one. And I saw a lot of that in the previous election, and we're heading into a season where so much of commercial and so much of the money is trying to create a division. And it is very intentional. I see the division between the Democratic Party and Republican Party, between who is socialist and the capitalist, and the list goes on and on and on. But the sadness is that many, many believers think they have two options. But you have another option, Jesus. You have another option, love. You have another option. Let me love the Democrats, love the Republican, no matter which side that you vote. And I'm conservative. 
I will be very, very clear for some of you to get a little bit nervous here. <laughs> I believe in the inerrancy of the Bible. I will be very conservative, both politically speaking, when it comes to pro-life, when it comes to so many different issues in life. But I am not going to go in there and in the next moment point the finger and create villains or evil people out of everybody that God has called me to love. There's a love unites. And if you wanted to do the unity test with me today and see where you're at, just do 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7 as a homework. And I give you that as a homework. It's going to be free. And that is love is patient. Love is kind. So are you patient? Huh? No, I'm not. Uh, Jesus is. And he's been very patient with you. Love is kind. Are you known for kindness? Especially when people are not very kind to you. Love, love doesn't envy. Hey, do you envy? Well, he got a new car. Why did God bless him and not me? And you just go to that and just be honest, not for condemnation, but for an invitation for you to receive more of his love. That would be one of my challenges in regard to a very good practical way. Because when you get squeezed in traffic, in your marriage, with difficult people, in your workplace, what's in you comes out. For me lately, there's been a lot of toxins that has come out in my squeezing. But that's the good news. Let's get rid of it. You don't need it anymore. Because in the next season, Jesus is about to see. He's about to see the fulfillment of this prayer that he prayed. That this very love that the Father had given him, that that love is going to be in us. The glory that he was given by the Father. That glory that you and I are going to be glory carriers. We're going to step into the sweet spot like a fish in water, like an eagle in the sky. For you to step into the fullness of what God has for you from a place of love. Glory is going to be released. And the world around us, they're going to start to believe that the Father sent Jesus. And Jesus says, as the Father sent me, John 20, 21. I send you, representing the same Father with the same Spirit. That's when in John 20, 22, he says, receive the Holy Spirit with a ministry of reconciliation to represent God before people and people, be people before God. Restore them back into the original intention. That's when they become healthy. That's when you start to see things as being restored. It's when they're coming back to their first love, back to where they belong. And this is the sadness of my heart that over 90-some percent of all the lost people are not aware of the reason the Father sent Jesus was love. And what happened on the cross was all about love. It was not that he is so angry with you, but it is a God that loves the world so much. And do you love the world, including bad people in the world, that you will sacrifice everything? That's God. And then it says in verse 17, John 3, 17, that he does not want anyone to perish. And you and I should live in love in that way that I don't want anyone here to be perished. And as a result of that, we are going to arise and shine because your light has come. So Father, I just thank you so much today that you have a blueprint for us. You're inviting the family to come home. Thank you, Jesus, that you are seated on the right hand of the Father and you have given us the Holy, Holy Spirit. But you are praying and you're interceding, just we see here in John 17, 26, looking at the Father, say, Father, I do want the people down there. I want every Muslim and every Hindu and every Buddhist and I want all of them to experience the love, Father, that you gave me. 
let that love first of all be in my family, in the body of Christ, and a beautiful, beautiful bride. Clean up that bride and purify my bride. I'm looking to be able to, I'm, I'm, I'm homesick for my bride to come. We've been engaged too long. It is time for the marriage feast to take place, but there is not going to be a wedding before the lost have seen the beauty of it, so that when they see the bride, they will see who I am. And this is this love, this love and the oneness that's going to take place is the very oneness that you and I had place. So Father, from Catholics to Protestants that divides to the Shias to Sunnis to all these divisions that's taking place in the world, I ask this agape reformation with a tsunami wave of love that's going to sweep starting in your life and into relationships and into communities and into the nations that is going to be such a wave of love that is going to raise and remove away fear. And I'm coming against you, Satan, that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I just say no to you, and I'm saying yes to Jesus. We came to give life and life more abundantly. And that's what people are looking for. And that's what they're going to see to ordinary harvesters like you and I. So be part of this. Become an ambassador of love. And you say, I have no clue where to go from here. That's why I have a masterclass that we did you have an opportunity to take about 36 small little lessons, 12 big ones, but we've broken it down into biteable sizes so that if this is touching your heart and you want to be on the journey to receive love, become love and release love, experience such a oneness, but also let that spread into all the relationship in your life and so that you can be an ambassador of love to represent the king well. I know that's your desire, so we will also make sure that you are available and that we have the tools available. So the masterclass blueprint for kingdom identity that's going to show you this blueprint clear, but it's also going to give you the steps and the coaching and the encounter what's needed in the next 12 to 15 weeks. You're going to see the seed of love is going to become a tree of love in you and the people around you is going to taste the fruit of love and it is going to result in a unity that's going to release to the world so that the world may believe. That's the heart of the Father. That's the heart of Jesus. And that's the role of the Holy Spirit through your life and my life. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif Hetland on social media at Leif Hetland and sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com.